this is the first Anatopod head and neck quiz, so a very short um, podcast. This will be followed by the next podcast, which is the infratemporal and pterygopalatine fossae. Um, so the answers to this with discussions will appear in a later podcast. I'll also put this up on the Anatopod website. Question one. The parotid fascia is innervated by A, the transverse cervical nerve, B, the great auricular nerve, C, the auriculotemporal nerve, or D, the zygomaticofacial nerve. In this question, ask yourself also as the answer to what is the basis for the difference between sensation of the parotid fascia and parotid innervation? So what I'm asking by this question is to know the difference between the somatic sensory parotid fascial innervation, both the superficial and deep fascia, and parotid parasympathetic pseudomotor innervation in the way we've described it. Question two. The otic ganglion is a station for A, sensory synapse of the mandibular nerve, B, passage of a motor route for the lateral pterygoid muscle, C, parasympathetic synapse of the lesser petrosal nerve, D, parasympathetic synapse of the greater petrosal nerve. So this question, what we're asking about is to explain the mixed nature of the parasympathetic ganglia of the head and neck. So this is not just a discussion of the otic ganglion, but we want to look at the sensory, sympathetic and parasympathetic roots of the other head and neck ganglia, and then to understand the basis of the autonomic nervous system. So this is what this question is actually asking. Question number three. The alar fascia of the neck, A, extends down to the diaphragm, B, runs in front of the carotid sheath, C is retropharyngeal, D finishes at the level of the third thoracic vertebra at the insertion of the longus collie muscle. Now what that's asking about that question is that we understand something about the pharyngeal spaces and space infection. So explain to yourself the basis of the answer to this question, the clinical relevance of this fascia, that is the alar fascia, and to have some knowledge of neck space infections. Question four. The corda tympani, A, separates from the main facial nerve at the internal acoustic meatus, B, exits the skull at the petrotympanic fissure, C, exits at the squamotympanic fissure, D, transmits general visceral afferents. So this is actually a bit of a complex question in the sense that we're asking where the facial nerve exits and to explain the cellular basis of brainstem reception and the significance, that is the neurological significance, and component parts of the corda tympani nerve. Now we've been through this regarding particularly the brainstem cell types in reception, but this is where this comes through. Question five, the infrahyoid musculature is A, innervated by the hypoglossal nerve, B, innervated in part by the C1 ramus, 
C. Innervated high in its segmentation. And D. Innervated by the ANSA cervicalis except for the omohyoid. So what we're asking here is really to have some knowledge of the ANSA cervicalis and the innervation of the infrahyoid musculature. And why that might be important where you divide the infrahyoid musculature at what level in a very large multinodular goiter, for example. So uh, this has some clinical relevance. Question 6. The external laryngeal nerve, A, is a direct branch of the recurrent laryngeal nerve, B, innervates the cricothyroid muscle and the thyropharyngeus, C, has no relationship to the superior thyroid artery, D, perforates the thyrohyoid membrane, with the superior laryngeal vessels. Note that there can be more than one answer here, but what we're asking in this area is where this nerve actually is, what its relationships are, and what is the significance of this nerve. So that's what the basis of that question is. So there'll be some questions where there are multiple answers that are correct, but we want to know why those answers are correct. Seven. The non-recurrent inferior laryngeal nerve, A, may be bilateral. B, is associated with a distal right subclavian vessel takeoff that is distal to the left subclavian artery. C, runs in the tracheoesophageal groove. D, runs a retroesophageal course. Again, there may be multiple answers that are correct here, but we need to know why they are or what is correct. And the question is asking, really, do you understand the, the anatomical and embryological basis of this nerve? Eight, the accessory nerve, A, has a cranial segment which supports the vagus and provides pharyngeal and palatal innervation. B, has spinal segments which arise below the medulla. C, runs between the scalenus anterior and the scalenus medius and D, exits the skull via the foramen magnum. And there what we're asking about is the anatomy of both the spinal and the cranial segments of 11. Question number 9. The accessory phrenic nerve A arises from the upper trunk of the brachial plexus, B may pass in front of the subclavian vein, C cannot be injured in a brachial plexus injury, and D is found in less than 10% of dissections. Here what we're asking is the significance of the accessory phrenic nerve, and really we're asking for some knowledge of the anatomy of the phrenic nerve. You'll remember that was in the podcast on the prevertebral musculature. Question number 10. The cervical sympathetic A has cells that lie in the posterior column of the spinal cord. B is derived from thoracolumbar outflow. C, synapses in the viscera as terminal ganglia. D, is linked to the preaortic ganglia via splanchnic nerves. So what I'm asking you to, to do there is to explain really the outline of the sympathetic nervous system of the head and neck, and this appears in the podcast on the autonomic nervous system. Question number 11, the pupillary reflex, A, is afferent to the pretectal nucleus, B, 
disappears on the efferent limb of the contralateral side with an ocular motor nerve palsy. C has only ipsilateral connection for the Edinger Westphal nucleus, and D relies on the ciliary ganglion for pupillary dilatation. So what we're asking there is, of course, the nature of the pupillary reflex and, of course, the relay stations in the ciliary ganglion, some knowledge also of the Edinger-Westphal and pretectal nuclei, and direct and consensual reflexes. We'll go through that again when we go through the answers. Uh, question 12, it's ahead of our uh, podcast here, the upcoming one, but nevertheless... The pterygopalatine fossa, A, connects to the pterygomaxillary fissure, B, is not connected to the palatine bone, C, joins to the pharynx via the palatovaginal canal, and D, is the origin of the middle and anterior superior alveolar nerves. Again, there may be more than one answer that's correct, but one needs to know and understand the anatomy of the pterygopalatine fossa and ganglion to understand that. So we're outlining here in that the boundaries of the pterygopalatine fossa, thinking of it as a corridor explaining its entry and exit points in order to answer that question. Question 13. A cerebellopontine tumour can be associated with A, an absence of lacrimation on the affected side, B, reduced salivation, C, a supranuclear facial nerve palsy, and D, no disruption of taste. So again, what we're asking here is not only the anatomy of the facial nerve, but its relationship to various particular parts as it moves from the um, uh, pons and then gets into the um, uh, inner ear, or the middle ear really, and then comes out through the stylomastoid foramen. And if we go progressively up, as we've done in one of the podcasts, we can see the differences in a lower motor neuron seventh. So we want to explain the anatomy of different facial nerve lesions. That's really what we're asking, but that is a knowledge of the anatomy of the facial nerve itself. Question 14. The glossopharyngeal nerve, A, has no motor root, B carries sympathetic fibres to the otic ganglion, C forms a pharyngeal plexus on the inferior constrictor, and D has a carotid sinus branch. Pretty easy question. Explain really the anatomy of the glossopharyngeal nerve. And the best way to view both of these ones, the facial nerve and the glossopharyngeal nerve, is to draw the brainstem and then draw the nerve as it's coming out, drawing its individual branches at various particular levels so that we know something about it. The trochlear nerve, we've got to talk about the um, orbit which will appear in a later uh, podcast about three or four ahead. But the trochlear nerve A emerges above the tentorium cerebelli, B is lateral to the ocular motor nerve in the superior orbital fissure, C enters the orbit extraconally, D controls an extraocular muscle which depresses the eye more purely in extortion. So what we're asking here is not only the anatomy of the superior orbital fissure from lateral to medial in orbit, uh, in, uh, in order rather, but also to explain the nature of um, extraocular uh, movements. 
So a very, very short uh, podcast. That's the first quiz. Uh, the um, answers in more detail will appear, uh, not in the next podcast, but the one after. This next podcast that we'll hear about is on the infratemporal and pterygopalatine fossae. Thanks so much. <laughs>